This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, host of Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. Join the conversation every Tuesday at 11 as we dissect issues that are important to you and your family. That's Relatively Speaking, Tuesdays only on MPB Think Radio. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz. I, I hope your weekend was good. I know we were talking ahead of, uh, ahead of the show that you were in Oxford and in the Grove this weekend, um, and I hope that was a good experience. It certainly was uh, eye-opening. <laughs> It's a lot of fun. It really is. It's, it, it, it's different. It's, you know, if you've never been there, it's something worth experiencing for sure. Uh, but today, you know, we're thrilled to welcome back a, a good friend of the show, Attorney Baskin Jones, um, who uh, is going to talk about uh, car wrecks today. Um, and good morning, Baskin. Can you, can you please tell us about your background and your areas of practice? Yeah, good morning. Uh, I am a plaintiff's attorney here in Jackson. I'm born and raised in Mississippi, uh, hail from the Mississippi Delta, but grew up in Jackson and ended up in law school at Ole Miss. Uh, Came immediately back to Jackson and have been practicing 13 years as a personal injury attorney. I had my own law firm on State Street just north of Fondren, and uh, my family resides in Jackson. So, yeah, we, we, we appreciate that. So you do different personal injuries uh, experience. We talked to you about uh, you, the first time you were on the show, you talked about um, bicycle accidents and bicycle safety. And we appreciated that. But today we're going to talk about car wrecks. Um, and as I understand it, you actually had a personal experience with, with a car wreck uh, recently. And would you mind telling us about that? Right. Yeah, we were traveling with my whole family in the van. Uh, coming back from vacation, and we were getting on uh, Highway 98, uh, and uh, we're on the on ramp to Highway 98. And I was looking back and up the roadway, and traffic was still coming, and uh, began to that process of you know, getting on 98 and getting on the on ramp. But the uh, individual behind me had some different ideas. He was so ready to get on 98, he was just going to come right through us. So uh, he, he tagged the, the rear end of our vehicle, and uh, suddenly I was a personal injury attorney in a car wreck, and uh, my own voice started to echo in my head. All those things that I remind people of after a wreck, things like you know taking photos of the scene of the wreck, those sorts of things, all those good ideas started coming to mind. And you know, I got some unique perspectives on uh, how this process goes for everyday people and uh, even some things that I might have forgotten. So wanted to share some of that today. And I think, um, you know, my own voice, uh, I, I can speak from a little bit different place uh, now that I've gone through it recently. Well, I hope everybody was okay Um and your family? Yeah, well, I'm I'm the one that uh, had the most significant things going on. Unfortunately, I've got a job where I'm seated every day, and uh, you know those 
uh, whiplash and low back type issues. Um, uh, when you're seated a lot of the time, you, you feel them a little bit more deeply. So uh, we, we had everyone checked out, which is always something that we recommend people do. Uh, you know, this process and even thinking on from the first minute about the fact that you've got an insurance claim that is coming and what paperwork, what documentation are you going to have uh, to provide? And the medical documentation is definitely a part of that. Uh, the uh, getting initial treatment, having a piece of paper in your hand that documents how you were feeling right after this wreck uh, is important. And uh, so, you know, going the same day to receive treatment wherever it might be and having a document that, you know, outlines right after the wreck, this is how you were feeling, that is uh, worth its weight in gold in these claims and is something that um, fortunately we knew about and were able to get. Well, that's why I think this show today right now is so important because when you are in a wreck, it's it's a jarring, discombobulating um, situation, especially if you're with other individuals maybe that are more vulnerable than you, that you want to take care of them, but you also have to be cognizant of the whole situation and if you don't know what you need to know just innately know oh okay i was in a wreck i have to take pictures you you can't it's hard to process it's hard to think oh what am i supposed to do because it's so so jarring and so out of the norm so that's why i'm hoping Everyone will listen to our show, share it with your family so that you will know automatically, okay, if I'm in a wreck, even if I'm if I'm hurt or somebody else is hurt or the cars are hurt, these are the things that we, we need to do. Make sure we do A, B, and C because I don't want to have to think about what am I supposed to do. Correct. And, uh, you know, we've in the past created uh, kind of a checklist, uh, a uh, keep this in your glove box just in case type of uh, here are the things you're going to want to be reminded of immediately after a wreck. And we'll put that out there on our uh, Facebook page. Um, you know, Jones Law Firm, uh, Baskin Jones is my name. So if you search for that, you'll pretty easily find us and that content. Uh, and I'm sure Liz is able to post it on the show notes if you're listening later. But uh, yeah, that having that available, having a reminder uh, not that you'll use all of it, not that your wreck is necessarily um, one that will need an incredible amount of documentation, but knowing the sorts of categories that might be useful uh, as as you have the opportunity. Well, you know, Baskin, you know, and Liz mentioned photos, and, you know, uh, 30 years ago this wasn't true, but now we all have a camera with us everywhere we go. Uh, so what do you need photos of? They're a powerful tools. So what what should we be uh, taking photos of? There's some things at the scene of the wreck immediately that don't stay there for long. And skid marks are an example of this, or even lack of skid marks. So the surface of the roadway and the right around the area where the impact occurred uh, can provide a lot of good information that, you know, the next time a major rain comes or you know, even a couple of hours after the wreck, you know, if it's a busy roadway, you wouldn't be sure where those skid marks came from 
Uh, but if you got a, a tire that's still sitting at the front of that skid mark, it's a pretty good indicator that that skid mark was created in this wreck. Uh, you know, we like to see photos of both vehicles. If you're, you know, in a wreck, an immediate concern could be, uh, what is this other driver going to do? You know, we see individuals leave the scenes of wreck, and suddenly uh, you don't know who this person was. You have a general description of their car. Uh, but uh, so, you know, maybe a picture of their license plate uh, is, a, is a good place to start. You know, just as you walk around the scene, you get a, a picture kind of where it was, picture of their license plate of their car, and then pictures of the damage to your car. Eventually, you know, as you're talking to the other driver, certainly their ID, their insurance card, if you're going to make a claim, having their policy number is very helpful. Having the name of the person who's uh, the named insured on the insurance, also very helpful. So much information that, it, you know, with cameras, it is... Uh it will show and it better was better to rely on the the photographs than on your memory and even folks who don't have smartphones uh, you know a lot of people especially those who uh, are don't really care about technology too much uh, have a lot of them have dumb phones and even dumb phones have cameras on them now i think every single mobile device uh, even uh, iPads kind of things, tablets, those have cameras on them, too. This is in legal terms. Now, not everybody has a chance to listen to our show live, so if you've missed any of our program, listen to the whole show from our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Oh, just one little thing, everybody. Mississippi does not have online voter registration, but we do have online voter registration applications. So if you're not registered to vote, today is the deadline to uh, get it postmarked. Go online, print out the application, grab a forever stamp, because today is the deadline for mailed voter registration applications. All mailed voter registration applications must be postmarked by today, October 10th. And if you are registered to vote but you've moved, like a certain new MPB producer named Abram, (laughs) please make sure that you have updated your voter registration online with your new address and if you're just not sure if you are registered there's a website to check that too all these links are at the mississippi secretary of state's website sos.ms.gov i'll have the links to this in this afternoon's podcast we are talking about vehicle wrecks today with our guest attorney baskin jones whose website is InjuredInMississippi.com. A lot of information on his website. And we do have a call. And I love this idea of that Mike from Tupelo is going to talk about. I don't have one, but I watch him on YouTube all the time. Mike, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms. What's your comment or question? So I'm calling about dash cams and wanted to see what you guys thought about them. Um, just looking online, they range anywhere from $29 to $179. 
uh, all kinds of features, one more complicated bit of electronics gear, and just wanted to see how that some of these things play in the event of an accident, what the uh, liabilities are, you know, as, as the, the driver with the dash cam versus documenting what maybe the other guy did. So there's the question. Correct. We uh, we like dash cams. Uh, you're correct that you can get a dash cam uh, very inexpensively these days. You can pop a very large uh, storage card in it, and you just start running video. Um, the uh, What we see is uh, incredible information about how a wreck occurred, and uh, it is uh, good admissible evidence in these cases, and uh, so long as you're not the one causing the wreck, it's great. Uh, but you are correct that the difference between the dash cams that I find is the $29 dash cam likely isn't going to let you see the uh, numbers on the license plate of the other vehicle. That you know might be a small thing, but uh, the better dash cams with better video quality might uh, allow that. Beyond that, the other features of the dash cam I'm not as concerned about so long as it shoots video and we can tell what happened in the wreck. So I think dash cams are a great idea. They make it very clear how a wreck occurred. You'll see dash cam videos out of uh, other countries where uh, I think some of our videos of meteorites and comets are as a result of uh, some Russian driver in a, in a, a big rig running video on his dash cam much more prevalent in other countries than it it seems to be here many 18 wheeler drivers currently run video um, and i run video in my personal vehicle so i recommend it great well thank you for that uh, that information I'll, I'll get into the shopping mode then keep up the good work guys thank you Bye. thank you mike i've also seen Rear window videos. People uh, have all. Uh, I love watching these videos on YouTube, and you know sometimes they'll show the rear window video, and the same person will also have a front window video, so you can see what happens one from the other. And I believe Teslas have cameras just all over the place. Mm-hmm. So if a if a Tesla is in an accident, it's recorded somewhere. The amount of information uh, recorded by uh, modern infotainment systems that's what they call the tablet that's in your car is is pretty immense and all of that info is useful in a car wreck claim the uh you're right even the 29 dollar uh dash cams sometimes come with a backup camera option and i I love that as a safety feature Uh, you know i'm aware of uh, little people around uh, my vehicle my children and uh Having that backup camera just to be 100% sure there's no one behind you is reason in and of itself to have a dash cam, to have a backup camera. This is also great. We really appreciate being here, Baskin. And I'm sorry you were in an accident, but you know, thank you for sharing your experience. And, and part of that is I'm sure there were police officers involved in the, you know, with this accident. Uh, they had to come and investigate. So, how does how did that go? What happens when the police come? Right, we we had to wait a little while for our officer. You know, I think they had a busy day uh, that day for whatever reason. And uh, you know, I always stress to people to 
uh, try to provide clear, detailed information because what you'll end up with is another document. It's a police report. And the information on the police report <clears throat> is only going to be as good as uh, the information you provide. And uh, one thing, two things actually on our report that uh, we tried to be clear about, but the report still had different information, was uh, the number of people in our vehicle. You know, our full family was in the vehicle, but the report only listed me as the driver. And, uh, you know, to the extent that uh, insurance companies might be confused in the future about who was actually in our vehicle and some of the details of the wreck, <clears throat> that could be an important fact. And uh, so providing that information to the officer, you also have the opportunity to ask the officer after the fact to supplement that information. So it's uh, important and information you want to provide to the officer. Uh, also, uh, you know, I communicated at the scene of the wreck that I planned on uh, going to the hospital later that night to, to be uh, checked out. And uh, yet the police report uh, by default is going to say no injuries involved in the wreck. They you know, maybe have to check a box or provide additional detail there. But uh, so insurance companies, again, when they look at the wreck report and they see a checkbox checked that says no injuries, uh, they look at your claim a little bit differently. So being able to communicate clearly to the officer, you know, uh, what you are experiencing, even if you don't leave in an ambulance from the scene of the wreck. Uh, but, you know, I am feeling uh, these things in my neck or back and plan on getting treatment, uh, that that one little checkbox can be uh, important in being able to document your injuries and being able to document your claim later. You know, and uh, I'm hoping the other driver was insured. Well, that's Isn't another that's another fun fun topic. Uh, I uh, the insurance company that uh, shall not be named might not be aware of uh, who exactly was uh, the injured person in this wreck, but uh, they, they made some very interesting arguments about why coverage should not apply. Now, it's maybe a moot point because I, I do carry uninsured motorist coverage and recommend that all uh, people I come in contact, that that's the best coverage you can buy and you should buy it. But uh, this unnamed insurance company uh, that you know came through Katrina with uh, billions of dollars in reserves uh, and is a Fortune 500 traded company, and uh, I, I would say what their name rhymes with, but uh, but we'll not go that far. But they are taking the position that even though uh, it was the son and the mom is the name insured on the insurance policy. Uh, that coverage would not apply. So uh, in my opinion, that's a pretty interesting position to take. And I take cases uh, every day of the week that involve uh, <coughs> these types of claims by insurance companies that they're not going to have coverage or that coverage wouldn't apply. So I, I get to be front row center on this question in my own claim that uh, whether or not uh, that coverage should apply for the other drivers' coverage. Oh, there, and I'm not, and I'm not going to name any particular uh, insurance company either. But they're always on your side, 
when you want to make a claim, then all of a sudden it's not so easy. Well, if I Uh, lived in a state and had uh, some some land that I needed to uh, protect and it was farmland, it it might be uh, the the sort of uh, company that I might deal with. Well, yeah, um, you know, and you mentioned carrying uninsured motorist coverage. Um, uh, so how, you know, you, and you talked about the insurance process, but um, how how does uninsured motorist coverage work then for someone that has it? Correct. Well, again, uh, uninsured motorist coverage is the best uh, buy that you can possibly make. This is coverage uh that is on top of your liability coverage, which would be required in our state. Uh, But this coverage ensures you if the other person hasn't uh, gotten that state-required minimum coverage. Uh, It protects uh, you if you are injured or if your property is damaged in a wreck and there is no other policy of insurance out there to provide uh, for the damages caused by the other negligent driver. Uh, So, Mississippi has uh, very good protections uh, built into our statute. And, you know, even these smart insurance companies trying to write policies which provide less coverage, the Mississippi statute uh, is clear and the courts have agreed that uh, you get your uninsured motorist coverage if it's on your policy, that it applies to resident blood relatives in your household and that it stacks. So if you have three vehicles on your policy, each with, uh, let's say, $50,000 in coverage, you've really insured yourself for up to $150,000 of uninsured motorist coverage. So uh, it's a little confusing. And I have conversations with individuals every day about uh, whether or not they have additional coverage that might apply, even in wrecks where they're convinced that there is no coverage. And that is, you know, a fun moment that, you know, being able to help someone in this way when they thought, you know, there's no coverage for my injuries. And I happen to know that uh, there's at least an argument that this coverage might be available. Uh, that, That is a satisfying part of the job. And that's part of the reason we offer free consultations is to be able to talk to people that have questions to allow them to, you know, at least get some peace of mind before just letting the whole thing go. Um, And if they've got this coverage, there's a safety net under them to provide coverage, even when the other driver isn't following the law. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We do hope you'll subscribe to our podcast. That's where I have all the little extra information that uh, Abram puts in for our podcasts. You can also find our recordings for all of MPB from uh, mpbthinkradio.org slash radio. So our Mississippi Insurance Department has an auto accident checklist that you could print off and keep in your car, and also some words of wisdom about being prepared, what to do after an accident, and filing a claim with insurance. And I I believe the Jones Law Firm Facebook page also will have a checklist. So we'll have links to all of that 
on this show's podcast information. We're talking about auto wrecks with our guest attorney, Baskin Jones. Let's go to Bentonia and speak with caller John. John, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? Um, I, I have a, a, for instance, question about uninsured motorist coverage. Let's say the other driver, you know, is, apparently is at fault, um, you know, from your point of view, and, um, or and, and you know, whatever the report says the, in the police report, and has coverage. However, uh, the insu- his, their insurance company creatively decides that the particular driver, you know, as you're given other examples, you know, the, the son, the daughter, the wife, the spouse or whatever, and, you know, was not the listed driver on the coverage, uh, they, so they don't want to cover it. Does your uninsured motorist coverage, you know, apply at that point? And, you know, is that is that something that has to go to court to be determined? It should be a pretty straightforward question, uh, the way you've posed it, that uh, if the other driver does not have a liability policy uh, or the other insurance is, you know, denying uh, coverage for the other driver, your uninsured motorist coverage should kick in and begin the process. Um, And the statute and the the courts uh, say that your uninsured motorist coverage has to kind of take an active part in investigating your claim. Uh, can't be like uh, the other driver's insurance, which can sit back and wait for you to make uh, a claim and to provide them all these documents. Your own insurance company owes you a fiduciary duty. They have to treat you uh, better than, uh, than they would treat individuals that are making claims that are not their insureds. So, uh, they would be required to take an active part in this claim. Uh, we sometimes say uninsured slash underinsured. So even if this policy of the other driver uh, is in effect, but they do not carry enough coverage uh, to cover all the damages or to cover your injuries, your uh, uninsured, underinsured motorist coverage could kick in above whatever uh, the other driver happens to carry in coverage. So it does sound like an instance where your coverage would kick in. Uh, uninsured motorist is pretty broad when it comes to the people that would be covered under your policy. Again, your blood relatives uh, that reside with you, and even uh, you know something like a, a kid that might be at college but still has a room in your house. I think there's a good argument that that person would also be entitled to your underinsured, uninsured motorist coverage on your policy. Thank you. Excellent um, answer. Thank you so much. And uh, again, my advice is, you know, if there is a wreck, there is an injury, to look around uh, for those coverages that might provide coverage and uh, make a free call, have a free consultation with an attorney that does what I do. Thank you, John. We appreciate you calling in. Yeah, so... Basically, this is, this is, again, a great conversation because I think it's so useful for people. I, we hope people are driving carefully while they're listening to the show, obviously, and uh, and don't get into wrecks. But you were in a wreck not by your fault. So, I mean, now your car is 
wrecked and you got to get it repaired. How does that process work? Right. So there's uh, some immediate things that you can think about coverages that might be available. Uh, one is, you know, a rental car or loss of use if you have some other uh, vehicle available. But uh, oftentimes the, the other driver, the person that caused the wreck, uh, their coverage will be uh, on the hook for you getting in a rental car for whatever period of time, usually up to 30 days until your vehicle uh, is able to get into the shop or able to be evaluated as a total loss. Usually that coverage cuts off at the moment. The insurance company provides you a check for a total loss, but up until then, the time is running on uh, the value of a rental or a rental car itself. Now, when you go to the shop, uh, you have your own choice about where you take your vehicle to be repaired. And there are differences in these shops. You know, there's some shops that work directly with insurance companies that have insurance adjusters that have desks at the shop and they're writing reports on these vehicles at all times. And, you know, suddenly uh, the amount of repair that your vehicle needs is much less than any other shop in the state would think it should be. Uh, Also, the parts that they might try to use on your vehicle might be uh, parts that they purchased on eBay. Who knows what the source of those parts is. But uh, there is guidance that says, you know, those original uh, manufacturer equipment parts, OME, uh, that those parts are what you are able to use. That's the price, that's the work that this insurance company uh, is going to be held to. Now, it might be that that, that means your tar is totaled because uh, it is more expensive to repair the right way. But, uh, you know, for the types of damage that is done in an accident and damage to wheel wells, damage to wheels, to suspensions, uh, it might, might be just as well. The uh, you know, safety of you and your loved ones and having a repair done right is something that's important and something you should ask for in the repair process. At what point, you know, you get in this process with the insurance companies, you're, you're kind of having a little bit of difficulty with the insurance company of the other person. At what point do you, you said get a consultation with a lawyer. At what point do you actually hire a lawyer to litigate for you? Well, you can think about it this way. Um, you are an individual and you are dealing with an adjuster uh, whose job it is to uh in some ways, minimize your claim, that uh, they want to placate you for a period of time to uh, certainly make you feel as if the insurance company has it covered. And, uh, you know, they said that they would pay some of my medical bills. They said that my car would be repaired and they they wait. And that that ticking time piece is uh, the most dangerous thing in these cases, because a placated person does not go and get the additional treatment they might need because they think they can get it any old time and that the insurance company will cover it. Well, you know, when it when it comes time and the insurance company isn't going to cover it, suddenly you're way behind the eight ball because uh, you uh, you delayed your claim. Suddenly your medical records are looked at uh, with uh, skepticism because if you were really in pain, why did you wait so long to go and get treatment? So I recommend uh, early uh, 
speaking to an attorney, a personal injury attorney, uh, about your claim. I'll, usually, there's free consultations. Uh, you know, sometimes you know we aren't in a hurry to get someone signed up, uh, but certainly they can uh, be reminded of the things that we've been talking about today. You know, to document to. You know, do what your doctor tells you to make sure you make those visits that your doctor thinks are going to be necessary uh, for you uh, to get the treatment you need. Uh, so that is all important. And uh, if you've got a you know billion-dollar company and their employees on one side and you've got just you on the other side, uh, might it be helpful to have you and uh, your attorney or at least the attorney you're consulting with uh, to consider things that might be important in your claim. So we would say an early phone call is important for that reason, that you get the information you need. You've at least got some peace of mind about how the process is going. Even if you don't uh, hire my firm, you know I'm happy to provide uh, some of those general uh, points of wisdom um, even in that initial uh, phone call. I think it's it's important because you 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 mentioned that you know if the, the insurance companies see that um, if it's not on the medical record then you you're not you're not injured you're not hurt and you know there are some injuries that, that take time you know you're getting treatment for yours so a lot of things are more chronic uh, and and uh, need attention um, and that's something that a lawyer could help with right and uh, that. That document in hand in black and white is important uh, early. And then, you know, there's some uh, leeway after that initial visit to uh, feel a little better, see how things are going. But, you know, follow-up visits, radiology, if you need to see a specialist, you're, you know, you're entitled to uh, really feel around the edges of your injury and to really get some peace of mind about the treatment. So it is uh, maybe wishful thinking to think that uh, the insurance company's door is always going to be open and that they will, you know, do some of the things that they promise or you know, maybe they leave it open-ended. Or even maybe they're asking you for a statement <clears throat> and they do it early. Oh, here's an interesting point. I got sent a check um, from State Farm. Oh, I said their name. Uh, <laughs> I got sent a check in the mail um, uh, on a, on my claim, and uh, it was for some uh, number that you know would never get the the claim resolved. But I think people get these checks every day, and they sign the paperwork and they deposit the check, and maybe they think it's an initial payment. But uh, there's a, a lot of uh, money to be made, a lot of claims that insurance companies can move off of their books by making a lowball offer early. You know, I think they resolve, you know, 95, 98 percent of all claims uh, with these early offers, and people you know, don't think twice about it. Uh, likely, their claims uh, oftentimes are worth more. But they have uh, taken convenience. You know, if, if you've had one visit and you get this check and you sign the release and you move on uh, and you end up having problems, long-term problems after the fact, uh, what do you do? 
you've already signed the release. You didn't know when you did sign the release, the release says uh, you're giving up all claims forever. Uh, so it's something to think hard about and to, again, feel around the edges of your injuries to make sure that um, you have peace of mind, that everything is good. You know, sometimes going and having the most active day you're possibly going to have in the next five years. You know, you're picking up uh, grandchildren, you're you're working out, you're going and doing the things you enjoy. Uh, oftentimes, when I, when I talk to folks after they've had a day like that, they suddenly realize that their body feels a little bit different than it did before this wreck, and they feel differently about that initial lowball offer. So I have a question about that. So uh, I guess two things. One, would it be better to have your insurance company pay your automotive repair place directly? Or if you get a check sent to you, should you just leave it, you know, not cash it, just keep it on the refrigerator? So and on the auto repair side, uh, up until they're presenting you with a release to sign to say that this is all the payment they're ever going to make, I think it's safe to, you know, deposit that check. So there's initial repair estimate checks that get written frequently. You don't often just turn them over to the automotive repair place. You you deposit it and you continue to talk to the automotive folks. Oftentimes they have supplements. Uh, they compare what they think the work is going to cost or additional work that needs to be done to what the insurance company thinks needs to be done. And there are supplements and those numbers go up. So it's a process uh, that uh, auto body repair shops do it every day. Um, but that, that side of the process, uh, is one that, uh, I think trusting the shop you take your car to, or trusting other people's experience with the shop and, uh, knowing that they're using the, uh, original manufacturer parts. Those are the important things. And knowing that you're at a a body shop that is going to try to do the repairs correctly. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel, which is where I spend most of my time. (laughs) It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all of our local shows. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Please do not forget, at 11 a.m. Central on Tuesdays, following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedies, relatively speaking, with the wonderful Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. So our Mississippi Insurance Department has a webpage with legislation that is passed each year that deals with insurance. So if you want to keep up to date with whatever the legislature's done, you can just go there and I'll have that link on our podcast page. We're talking with attorney Baskin Jones from the Jones Law Firm talking about vehicle accidents and we have one last phone call to get to. Let's go to John who is calling Mississippi Public Broadcasting from Covington, Louisiana. We love our Louisiana and our Alabama listeners in Tennessee and Arkansas. Go ahead, John. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm a former Mississippian, and I live in Louisiana now, and I think this would apply to both states. I'm confused about how much liability coverage to carry. Um, I uh, wanted to ask 
the attorney about that. Uh, should should I carry as much as my total assets are? Let's say my let's just throw out five hundred thousand for for you know the value of my home and car and so forth. Uh, or how much should I carry in bodily injury and personal uh, liability? Right. So uh, for you know people that own some property that own. Uh, uh, a home, maybe a, a second piece of property anywhere. You know, I think state minimum uh, coverage is not going to be appropriate coverage uh, to try to actually protect your assets. So, um, you know, one way of thinking about this is uh, how much can you budget for insurance and uh, what is your risk tolerance and uh, how much are you driving and uh, how good of a driver are you? Uh if you don't uh, cause any wrecks, then maybe uh, you know, some some medium amount of insurance would be appropriate. But uh, I would think that that coverage, uh, you know, you might consider something like a, a medium level of insurance. You might look and think about umbrella insurance coverage that would cover amounts over uh, if there was some big loss that was, in fact, your fault. Uh, those things might be good ways to protect yourself. Now, you're bringing up an interesting question in my mind, and it's probably just the fact that I went to law school and issue spot, but you're a Louisiana resident, and the state minimum coverage there is different from Mississippi. I think there's a good argument that when a Louisiana driver with Louisiana state minimum limits enters Mississippi, that their lower limits are automatically adjusted up, that that insurance company in Louisiana it's going to have to provide more coverage to you for damage you do in your car when you're in Mississippi. The other side of that is if you know if you are you know maybe considering whether to be a resident of Mississippi or Louisiana or what which insurance policy to buy and where to where to have it. I think Mississippi's uh, uninsured motorist coverage and the amount of coverage you can purchase for yourself that will stack and. Uh, the how expensive that coverage might be that Mississippi has a very good uh, set of rules for uninsured motorists and the value for that policy is much higher in Mississippi than it might be in Louisiana. Okay, well thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Well, we've got just a minute and a half left. The hour has gone by so fast. Uh, why don't you just uh, summarize and remind us we're in a car wreck. Now what? Right. I think the easiest thing to do is to uh, throw away uh, what you hear in the advertisements from insurance companies and to remember uh, insurance companies make money when claims are uh, – when premiums are paid and no claims are made. So consider your claim. Consider uh, the fact that your injuries might last in a, in a longer term kind of a way and treat it as such. Document it as such. Uh, go to the visits your doctor recommends and see where you are at that point. Talk to an attorney uh, and see if there's anything you're missing. Because uh, not treating it as an adversarial relationship with the claims process handler on the other side uh, has a lot of pitfalls. And we want to make sure you go to our website, mpbonline.org, 
uh, legalterms.mpbonline.org or to the Jones Facebook Jones Law Firm Facebook group and maybe make sure you have that checklist in your car or I'm sure a lot of insurance companies also have that kind of thing just so that when you're in the heat of the moment you don't forget what you need to do or what you need to not do. Baskin, thank you so much for being on our show. We appreciate uh, you giving of your time and uh, helping all the the great listeners and uh, great podcast listeners that we have. Happy to be here. And so it's going to wrap us up for this In Legal Terms. Our team consists of board engineer and podcast producer Abram Nanny. For Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. Please join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.